0: Good morning. Buenos dias. Buenos dias. How's everybody doing? Oh, that good? Okay, good. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dr. Bray, so much for inviting all the profs in the School of Theology and Ministry and over at the seminary to talk about our favorite book, the Bible. It's all of your favorite too, I know, don't worry. Um, yeah, so it's cool because Dr. Bray emailed like all of us profs who talk about the Bible already, and probably because he knew that we would love it, and said, "Hey, do you guys want to talk about Philippians every Monday for the fall semester of chapel?" And we were like, uh, "Yeah." And so he actually gave me the very first chapter, chapter one of Philippians, verse one through eighteen. So we're gonna look at that today. So. This is where preachers say, get out your Bibles or your app, you know, right? So get out your Bibles or your app and look at Philippians. But, but before I start there, I'm going to give you a second to look it up. Um, I just want to prepare you because, you know, I know it's the first day of the week, first day of the school week, and you're probably still a little tired, a little jet lagged from the weekend. But I am going to ask you to think today. Is that okay? Yeah. So don't just sit back and relax with your coffee or you know, your homework. Just I'm going to I'm going to ask you to really think with me, to work through some ideas with me. I might ask you to redefine some thoughts. Maybe you're going to hear words that you've heard a lot, but I'm going to ask you to think a little deeper about those ideas. Is that okay? Okay, good, cuz like like Dr. Bray said, I teach theology here, so it's bound to come out somehow. You just just to prepare you. Um, so yeah, I think I think before we start, though, I want to give a little disclaimer about the Bible in general, and Philippians is part of the Bible, so it goes for that too. Um, but this is like an ancient compilation of many different letters, many different books written by people we will never really know this side of eternity and people whose culture we don't really understand, you know, people coming out of a history that we have long since kind of forgotten. And so there's a lot of things in Philippians that kind of take some work to start figuring out. Um, So just, just bear with me if you don't mind. While we look at at least one facet of what this first chapter could be talking about. And like I said, I'm a theologian, so that's the lens through which I'm gonna look at this scripture. Uh, We're not gonna spend a ton of time on historical information, we're not gonna spend a ton of time on the cultural setting, though many other scholars who teach here will spend time on that, and I have looked a little bit at that, you know, original language. Original cultural context, things like this. But as a theologian, I have to share with you that there's a theme that recurs throughout this whole letter of Philippians. This entire book has a recurring theme, and that theme can be summed up in the word "participation." Everybody say it with me: Participation. participation. Oh, thanks for participating. Uh, and this theme is a theological idea. This theme is used by theologians to talk about the very fibers of our beings. But not only us, humans, but also about God. Our God is not just one old man sitting on a throne in heaven. Our God is in participation, in community. And God did not call human beings to just believe about him or to just think the right ideas about God. But our God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has invited us to a table. Our God invited us to a wedding feast. And not just to come to the table and think about how great God is, although God is great. Not just to bask in God's majesty. God called us to this table, to the wedding feast, to participate in the community that God has been participating in already, and so that's that's kind of the idea of this this word participation. But let's unpack that a little bit more, shall we? We shall. We've got to do a little bit of redefining this word. Remember, I told you we we're going to redefine things. We've got to redefine this idea, this theological concept of participation, because. I think a lot of us grew up, at least I did, um, with kind of a westernized view of God, which is very individualistic. Meaning that when we think about God, we don't think about, we don't think about God as three persons. We often think about God as just our father, who loves us and takes care of us. He, he rules on a throne with a right hand. And then there's Jesus, who's really nice and sits next to him. And then sometimes, you know, once he came down here and was nice to us and then the Holy Spirit, I guess, does something. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) Yeah. That is not the original theological orthodox understanding of God. This is a good picture of who God is. And this is a good picture of that participation I was talking about. Because God is not one person. Our God is three persons that always operate in a consistent relationship of love within the Trinity. As you can see here, three persons. We've got the Father in gold, the Son wearing blue, and the Holy Spirit in green. There's lots of cool symbolism there. This is from the 1400s. A Russian icon painter did this. But um, we're not going to talk about all those details we're just going to look at this community do you see the three persons do you see how they are all looking to one another responding to each other operating in this relationship not just operating participating in this relationship around a table with the feast The cup of wine is there to symbolize this communion, this life that God has been operating in before all of us even existed. Okay? Before the world was the world. Before anything, while there was still just void, Genesis says, God participated in relationship And each person, are you with me? Each person participates in relationship with three defining, I guess, characteristics. There's three ways that God participates in relationship. Now, if you're in Theology 101, you've probably already heard this. So you can just repeat it with me, okay? Maybe I'll give you extra credit. Who knows? You never know, right? God operates in relationship with unity. Say it with me unity. Unity. God participates in a relationship with equality Equality. and with distinguishability. distinguishability. Nice. So, God, before all time, before all worlds, is participating in a relationship. The Father is loving the Son with unity. The son is loving the father with equality. The father is loving the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is loving the son and the Holy Spirit is loving the father with distinguishability. You can still see that they are distinct persons. You can tell them apart. You can see that there is the father. There's also the son. There's also the Holy Spirit. They are clearly distinct, distinguishable. And yet we see throughout the whole narrative of scripture that they don't just operate on their own accord doing different stuff at different times or different places. But for all time participating in unity and equality. Does that sound like familiar to anything like, you know, persons working together? in unity and equality. Does that sound familiar to any anyone? It's supposed to be like us. Like all humans. Because if you remember from Genesis, we are made like a god. Now see that's why I, see this is why I tried to ask us to redefine this word participation. Because it doesn't only affect who we think of God as, it affects who we think we are. It changes how we emulate our lives. If we think that we were made in God's image, which I think we mostly all remember that, then it matters how we think about how God is in relationship or not. Because if we think that God is just some old man sitting on a throne, wielding the bolts of a Jupiter, just waiting whom he may smite, I wonder what kind of life we will begin to imitate. But if we truly picture God as God actually is in relationship, in community in constant participation, that might change the way we live our lives, maybe. And if we remember that God is not just kind of participating in relationships, that's cool, but that this participation is so deep and so real that it is in complete unity and complete equality, That means that God doesn't operate with hierarchies. Right? You guys know English, right? Equality. That means no hierarchies. Somehow we've lost that. Over the 2,000 years when the church began to explain who God is from scripture, we started to create a, a caricature of God. Has anybody noticed that? And we say stuff like, well, God's God's our father. And it's like, yes, he is. But he's also the son and the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, Jesus came and, and nailed all my sin to the cross. And now I just enjoy that. And that's great. What about the participation that we're invited into? And that's what Philippians is talking about. But we won't understand the book of Philippians if we're only thinking about God as one person. You're not going to understand Philippians. We have to redefine who God is. Are you with me? Are you still with me? You're doing the theology. You're doing it. Yeah, you guys are smart. You're at college. You can do this. It's easy. We have to redefine that. We have to picture God. As God really is. Maybe that's why Jesus said you have to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and you have to love your neighbor. It's all coming together now. It's like somehow Jesus knew. I don't, I don't know, you know. It's like somehow he knew. If they're asking me what's the one thing to do, I'll just tell them. No parables, no riddles, no confusion. You got to love God. But that's not enough. Don't cut me off. Lawyer, who asked Jesus the question in the synoptics, the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. And this is what we see in Philippians. Yeah, I finally got there, don't worry. I, I told you I would. Philippians, you know, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna read the first 18 chapters to you guys, or, sorry, no. <laughs> nope, the clock is counting down, I can't do that. I'm gonna just do the 18 verses. Um, see if you can pick up this idea of participation. This idea that God, is not only in a participation of relationship, but that God is calling us, us into this kind of a life. With God and with each other. See if you can pick up on this participation. There will be a quiz. So, uh, just kidding. Paul and Timothy bond servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, Since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you have been partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness how long how I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know brethren that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love. Knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Did you notice that? Did you see all the ways Paul was calling the church in Philippi Christians to not only believe with their mind, but to experience, to participate in with their life? Did you see it? I mean, I kind of emphasized it a little bit so it would be helpful, you know. But it's kind of like tangled. Have you guys seen that movie? You know, and at the end, she's like in her room and she notices all those like little sunflower things that she had painted all these years like because it was like in her mind somehow it was like part of her. And then she's she like sits there and then they all like start popping out and she's like Oh, I'm the lost princess. I'm the one. I never knew. I should have known all along. It's kind of like that, except for it's about participation. (laughs) It's like you can't get away from it. Like people keep trying to, they keep trying to make Christianity about like believing the right stuff. But like that's just not all there is. You can't read the New Testament and not see it. Once you know, that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit living in relationship, participating in community, and calling us to do the same, it's really hard to unsee that, because it's everywhere, it's everywhere. And not only in the first chapter, but I gotta tell you, this whole book is full of it. I'm gonna read the rest of it, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I will point out a couple verses. From the entire rest of the book, you've got verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. 27, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Chapter 1, verse 29 is pretty good. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake. Yeah, I'll skip over that, don't worry. Uh, Let's see, two, four, do not merely look for your own personal interests, but also look for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Jesus Christ, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of human beings. You know how the rest goes, right? So then my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work. For his good pleasure. Not that I have already obtained it, verse 12, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of. Verse 14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in which Jesus Christ calls me. Let us keep living by that same standard which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example. Observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. The things you have learned and received. This is chapter 4, verse 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So it seems like this idea that maybe some of us grew up with of like you just have to mentally ascend to an idea that God is good and that God loves us and that Jesus died for us. It seems like that's just not the whole story. That's a a good start. But it seems like there's more to what God is doing in the world. Maybe God really does want us to participate in relationships like God does. Maybe God made us like God on purpose. Maybe God expects us, commands us through scripture, at least in the book of Philippians, that we must actually participate not only in relationship with God, but in relationship with one another. This is the part where I mentioned that verse in James that says, Faith Without Works is dead so I don't get booed off the stage. Okay, right? No, you guys are with me. I don't need to bring that up, right? Or I could bring up, you know, all the words of Jesus, the greatest commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, you know? Uh, Let's see, John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, which is to love God and love your neighbor, (laughs) right? Uh, Let's see, John 13, 35, you will know you are my disciples by your love, for one another. Matthew 7, 16-20, you will know them by their fruit. A good tree produces good fruit, bad trees produce bad fruit. All right, you guys are with me. Oh, man, this one, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom, but only the one who does the will of my father. I mean, that's just Jesus. I don't know. But also you got stuff in the Old and the New Testament too. Like 1 John, if someone says, I love God and hates their brother, he's a liar. Yikes. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Then Micah 6.8, which you guys know, Right? What does the Lord require of you, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? Should I keep going? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I would, but I don't want to run out of time. You get it though, right? I think it's pretty obvious. Salvation. Living like Christ. Being a Christian is not only about forgiveness. It's not only about Jesus washing away our sins. It's not only about an idea about God. It's about being like God. And the way that we can be like God is through relationship. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good. That's like really hopeful to me. Because I'm in relationships with people all the time. We all are. Maybe God did that on purpose too. But there's something about how we participate Right, I mean, even all the stuff I just read from Jesus and the rest of the Bible, I mean, it's pretty clear, it's not just being in relationships. It's about being in relationships, how God participates in relationship. Because that's the image we were made in. That's what we were supposed to operate like. In unity, in equality, and in distinguishability. We must work and live and love together as one, caring for each other more than ourselves. We must operate without hierarchies. Well, somebody's got to make the decision, so I guess, you know, we'll just say the husband should do it and that's easier, you know, and we can just forget about the whole submit to one another thing. Just don't worry about it. It's easier if we have a hierarchy. So... No. God has called us to this kind of relationship. Called, commanded. Why? Because that is the nature of salvation. That is what it is. It's not that you earn your salvation. It's that that is what it is. It's kind of like the difference between, you know, the law of gravity. And the law of like the police, not the band, the people, (laughs) right? The people who enforce the laws versus like a law of gravity. The law of gravity just is. Like you can't change it. It just, it's like this is a law because that's how it works. It's just the way things work. Have Have you noticed that, right? The law of a police is way more like punitive. It's way more like... Well, you did this, so sorry. Tough luck, kid. You messed up. And you know, we actually put that on God. Isn't that weird? That's just crazy. We actually say that God is doing that to us. Well, you didn't believe the right thing, so sorry. I, my hands are tied. I can't, you know, omnipotent, all-powerful, you know, omniscient, but sorry. I can't, I can't do anything about it. Does that make any sense? God's law of love, God's law of participation is like the law of gravity. It's just how it works. This is the theology I was talking about at the beginning, that we have to work on, that we have to change our view. Maybe that's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe that's why Jesus said, I am the way. Not to kind of exclude people, like, sorry, well, you didn't say the magic word. It was supposed to be me. You should have said Jesus. No, God is swinging the door open, inviting us to the table and saying, I'm the way. Be like me. I, who am God, the Son. I am human. You can be in relationship with God like I am. I'm the life. Me, my personhood, being in being human. I'm already in participation with God. Be like me. Not to exclude people, but to include C.S. Lewis described it as kind of like an analogy of like getting wet. If you want to get wet, you got to get in the water. If you want to be warm, stand by the fire. If you want life, join into it. Participate in relationships. Not only with God. For the second commandment is like it participate in love with our neighbors see i got married this summer as dr bray brought up yeah and that's kind of how we structured our wedding was kind of around this wedding feast it was like God has invited us to the table, to a wedding feast, to sit down and to look at how the Trinity operates, to look at how God participates, and to start emulating that, but not just to look at God, but to look at everybody else sitting here, not just to observe the food, but to Say, hey, can you pass that? To share. To join into. To get to know those around us. When people come up, is this seat taken? No, yeah, here, go ahead. Like God does. Inviting us, including us. To be part of this participatory Community. Now, maybe some of you are nodding your heads, you're totally with me. You've already been participating in these kinds of relationships with unity and equality, no hierarchies, operating in distinguishability, and you're and you're just doing it, and maybe you didn't even realize you were. Maybe you've just been doing that and and didn't even know that as you were operating that way with another human being, that that was salvation. But maybe some of you haven't been. Maybe this caricatured idea of God—that's just one person ruling and reigning over everything—is kind of got you got you down. You're, you're kind of following that instead. And you're not participating with love with those around us. You're not seeking justice. You're not fighting for mercy. You're just kind of at the table enjoying the food. I challenge you to think about how we can rearrange our lives to look more like God. And maybe some of you aren't participating in relationships because you don't know how, or you you didn't grow up in a family where relationship was loving or just or equal or unified. God knows all about that. And God knows that no matter what, he will continue to work it out and to continue to complete the work that he is doing if we participate with God. Because that's what God's calling us to. Jesus Christ says, come to me, all who are weary. Fill the table with wedding feasts. Or fill the the wedding feast with people. Because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so as you go today, go prepared to participate in these kinds of relationships. Not just praying for people, but operating like God does with one another. Go in peace.